Hey, we're the Arkells, and you're listening to Music A to Z Podcast. Good evening, or alternatively, good morning, or alternatively, good afternoon. And welcome, dear listener, to the Music A to Z podcast. I am Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. Wow, Doug. So how's it going? It's good. Mm. It's good. I, I, I just watched Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Tell a little timestamp for anyone listening in the future. Opening weekend. The opening yeah. weekend of Avengers Endgame. And it was indeed a film. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug, you got to yeah. give it to me straight here. Does Dumbledore die? Uh, yeah, and you know who kills him? Batman. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. Batman all one? It was Batman. You know what, though? Batman was possessed mm-hmm. by Zeus. Okay. You know, actually, that's not, sorry, that's not too too off the, because, you know, with Thor and stuff like that, it's all, so that, that's maybe a little too close to that. That'd be, that'd be really weird, Doug, given that Zeus uh, isn't Thor the same person. And also that, like, Zeus would be the Roman god, or the Greek god, I guess, and Thor would be um, Norse. Or Zeus Odin. Yeah, is it, uh, no, 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 no. But Sorry, Wonder no. Woman, on the other hand, that would make way more sense, because remember, she fought Ares. Right, right, right. Uh, Doug's, Doug's not up on his mythology. No, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's been a long time since I was in ancient Greece. Uh, in, in, longer than it was, you know, ancient Rome. Hmm. But, but it wasn't so long ago that Doug was greased up. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> moving on. Oh my. Yeah. yeah it's been... So, yes. Welcome to the Music A to Z podcast, everybody. Yeah. Where we talk about uh, Avengers and greased up... Greased up Greeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is us. Yeah. So, I'm not... Uh, just as a side note, uh, the Pollinate Show has, uh, has collapsed. So, if you're listening to our back catalog as well, and I keep plugging the Pollinate Show, uh, don't bother. Do not listen to it, because you can't. <laughs> you can't, you can't. I'm not 100% sure at this point how this podcast will be getting out to you, because now I need to kind of figure out web hosting mm, yeah, and all this stuff yeah. again. But uh, if you're listening to this, that means I've probably already figured it out then. It means you point. are the strong. You are the survivors, as as we are. I'm look- You know what? I wish that I was the listener right now, because then I would be in the future... And all this stuff would be done already. Yeah, basically. you know, yeah. So, yeah. if you could just tell us mm-hmm. right now how we figured this all out. Yeah, that would be <laughs> much appreciated. Yeah. Much appreciated. Anyways, so, we are uh, on the letter O this week, right? Oh. Oh. And we kind of decided to uh, to uh, reacquaint ourselves with a, with a band from our past. My past maybe a little more so. A step back to one of the best-selling Canadian acts of all time. Don't turn the podcast off because you heard Canadian act. Hey, don't do it. D- yeah, that's that's not fair. We had a whole section of the alphabet d- d- dedicated to Canadian bands, mm-hmm. and you know what? Wasn't enough. Most of them were pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of. Actually, I don't know. Were any of them? Did, were any of them real duds? Nothing springs to mind. Yeah, I think we were trying to trying to spring for the good ones. Yeah. But hold on, you're saying, Steve, this is O, so you're not talking about Rush. No, correct? that's correct, yeah. Well, well, it's not N, that's for sure. You're not talking about Loverboy, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true, Loverboy too. Loverboy doesn't start with N. Yeah. Or O. That's also true, actually. Yeah, it does right, start Loverboy with N or does, O. Loverboy does, 
does not start with any of those letters actually come to think of it yeah, yeah. so Doug who are we covering today we are covering Our Lady Peace But this one kind of took, took me right back. I kind of had an up and down listening experience, um, but it was very very interesting to revisit and to to watch some uh, watch some of the stuff. I'm gonna say first of all, all music has got to step up their game. Is that with, right? With the bio, Uh-oh. because the bio is not great, and the individual album reviews aren't you know particularly interesting. But I can kind of understand why, because Our Lady Peace's own website doesn't really have much. And uh, Wikipedia has got some interesting stuff, but most of the links on Wikipedia are broken. So, highly oh, questionable. Hard to verify. Dubious stuff. So, I'm Ooh. sorry. This isn't a behind the music. I was able to piece together some things, though, from interviews. Like, for example, Rain Maida, frontman, lead singer, uh, producer, singer, songwriter, uh, grew up a couple blocks away from Robin Doug Ford. This I did not know. And knew uh, knew them uh, as as a uh, as a uh, children. They uh, they all kind of they all kind of knew each other. Uh, and, and Rain had some very complicated stuff because uh, Rain, of course, is a uh, social justice warrior and very very active active in in charities and mm. in uh, anti corruption mm-hmm. and down with big business and all that sort of stuff. But oh, he, he knew uh, yeah he knew the he knew the Fords. At a really, really young age. And, you For know. those of you who don't know, uh, those two are Canadian politicians, particularly in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't had to deal with them, but they have, let's say, um, an, a sort of an infamous reputation. Even in the U.S., because uh, Doug Ford was our uh, the crack-smoking mayor of Toronto. That's true. Yeah, that was that was, uh, that was big news in the that U.S. They're like, they're like went, wow. He even went down to, um, <clears throat> where was he, on, on the, the Late Show, I think? You know, he went down to the Late Show to do an interview, you know, because he was all about taking publicity however he could. But, mm-hmm. but anyways, yeah. So, <clears throat> interesting sort of thing. But let's get to the band itself. University of Toronto, U of T, 1991. Possibly 1992. Hard to say. <laughs> it could be either one of those years. Those are two, those are two years that are very close to one another. Perhaps both years. It is be. entirely possible. The reason why I say that is because conflicting sources. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, it doesn't really matter that much. No. Michael Maida. A criminology student, uh, one who actually really loved criminology because he enjoyed kind of probing and analyzing people's minds. And he read a lot of Batman comics. I can neither confirm nor deny this. I can. I just made it up, so don't don't hold that as fact. Okay. And uh, Mike Turner, a guitarist, a and a British expat who was taking English lit. They form a band called As If. As If. As If. While they were in the midst of doing their thing, they recruited a bassist named Chris Ikrit. I believe his name is pronounced. He was a business student. And jazz drummer Jeremy Taggart. And at that point, they changed their name to Our Lady Peace. Good choice. Michael 
changed his name to Rain. So that's, uh, you know, he could avoid confusion with uh, Michael Turner. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Rain Yeah, it sounds good. Rain Maida, I gotta say. Yeah. Let me read to you, Douglas. Let me, let me read to you. Okay, okay, I want to be teleported into a story. Okay. How far is it to peace, the piper sighed, the solitary sweating as he paused. Asphalt the noon, the ravens terrified, fled carrion thunder that percussion caused. The envelope of earth was powder loud, the taut wings shivered, driven at the sun. The piper put his pipe away and bowed. Not here, he said, I hunt the love cool one. The dancer with the clipped hair, where is she? We shook our heads, parting for him to pass. Our lady was of no such trim degree, and none of us had seen her face, alas. She was the very ridges that we must now scale, securing the rough top and how she smiled. Was how her strength would issue, not to fail, was having her gigantic undefiled. For a homely goddess, big as the world that burned, grandmother and taskmistress, frilled and town. We let the stranger go, but when we turned, our lady lived, fierce in each other's frown. That's uh, Mark Van Doren with his poem, Our Lady Peace. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to say from the get-go, I think it is kind of a cool poem. Let's just say for the record that to have the group of these gentlemen say, you know, we're taking that name. I think it's fair to expect some lyrical content that is kind of heady, one might say. Mm. Perhaps a, a little <clears throat> artistic inclined not not the usual fluff yes yes right. yes perhaps the sort of a deep thought-provoking contemplative artistic direction one might say and maybe even sort of like a self-deprecating dismissal of one's own artistic merit one might say uh, one might I don't know. basically what i'm saying is they'd be pretentious if they didn't have talent totally okay yeah cool but they had talent Hmm. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet dodged, everybody. Uh, Our Lady Peace joined Sony Music Canada under the tutelage of producer Arnold Lanny, who was a former band member of Sheriff and Frozen Ghost. He produced Finger Eleven, Simple Plan, and Thousand Foot Crutch. Take that, uh, take that as you will. And within uh, relatively a little amount of time, and I say that pun intended because uh, Relativity distributed their was a. Uh, label that distributed them oh. in the U.S. <laughs> uh, came out within the, actually all things considered a relatively relatively short amount of time. The album Navid, March twenty second, nineteen ninety four. Navid, of course, being Arabic, I think they said. Oh, so it's Persian, and it mm, means yeah, yeah. bearer of good news. Right, bearer of good news. Uh, I knew a guy named Navid actually in high school. I did too, but it was spelled a little differently. Mm, I don't. I think it was spelled. You know, I don't remember though. It's been a long time. Again, really Sony in Canada, uh, Epic and Relativity in the U.S., produced by Arnold Lani, as I said. Just just for the record, there's um, traditional, sort of traditional Our Lady Peace fans, I guess you could say, who, if you talk about any one of their albums, inevitably, you're going to get one who says, dude, you got to hear Navid. Yeah. Like, if you think if you think this is good, you got to go back to the gotta beginning. Hear Naveed. You got to hear Navid. Yeah, yeah, I had a friend like that um <laughs> uh truthfully i am confused by this one mm. i'm really back and forth on how much i like it like i listened to it a while ago uh i had a friend who we, we exchanged cds quite often um and he let me this one and i didn't feel it i was just like because eh, eh, eh. i mean uh, truth be told i am not traditionally an our lady peace fan I was, uh, I, I just kind of never got into, 
I did. I did not get into Rain Meter's vocal style. I just. I was. It was when they, when they were popular. It wasn't my scene. I was very young, and I was just more into poppy stuff. So, but, and, and I don't know. I just kind of held almost like a grudge against Arlie Peace. Arlie Peace. So, um, and so at the time when he let me that, I was just like, eh, I just don't. I don't. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not into it. Um, but you know, this time my goal for this was to for this podcast was just to give everything a fair spin. Like, you know, like try and look at everything with fresh eyes and see what it's all about. Right. Hmm. Um, and so listening back to Naveed that this, this time around, I think I kind of liked it. Hmm. And then I listened to it again and then I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then I gave it a third time and I was like, you know what? Maybe I do like it. <laughs> um, so like I said, literally back and forth on it. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it just depends on, like, what I'm feeling at the time and the moment of listening to it or how much I'm paying attention to the music or how much of it I'm... I'm or how much of it, the, if I'm keeping it in the background or something like that. Regardless, I do respect its extremely raw energy. I could see this being um, a very unique voice in the alternative rock scene at the time. Um, so regardless of my personal feelings, like, I kind of get that, hey, this is something that was kind of fresh in this scene during a time when this scene was really exploding and it is definitely rain made singing mm. but he doesn't exactly sound like he does in future albums there's something a little bit different about his voice and his vocal delivery it's just kind of it's kind of subtle and it's just i don't know it's it's something i, I can't exactly put my finger on but it just sounds kind of different so i do think this album did win me over and I think it just needs, you just need to give it time to settle in. The, I didn't recognize a lot of tracks off of it, except for the title track. I think I've heard the title track somewhere before. I'm not exactly sure where, maybe just on rock radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is probably one of the best songs on here. I think it's really good. Uh, and I, I think the first three songs are also pretty solid. Uh, it does kind of have its ups and downs from, from that point on, but I think the downs aren't very low. I think overall, it's the, the, the it, I think it's an album that uh, does rock pretty hard. Hmm. So, I would I would say it's a, it's a good launching point for sure. As far as launching points go, especially given how little time really they had to write, record, and produce this album. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. There were tons of singles off this album, but the only one I ever heard was Starseed, and that was more recent. That wasn't way back in the day. That was uh, all things considered more recent. I think it was it was one of those. I recognized it as Arlie Peace, but at the time I didn't know what album it was from. Mm. Um, I think it was just, you know how sometimes radios, radio stations, it was on the Fox or something, they'll play like an older song that used to be popular and they'll put that kind of in rotation again. Yeah. So I, I heard it like um, easily a half dozen times over the course of like a, a year and I'd be like, oh, I wonder what song this is, but it's definitely Arlie Peace. So that that was Star Seed and that was a few years back now, I guess. I think that one's probably the best song on the album. It's pretty gritty. It reminds me uh, of the grunge influence of its own grunge influences, but it's a little less ugly. You know, there, there's it's not growling. There's no growling really on the album. You know, no. which was which was very very popular in the scene at the time. Like there was a lot of like masculinity going on in the grunge scene. Uh, you know, um, this one is like, like a a bit of a mopey masculinity. Yeah, this one is yeah. less concerned about being masculine. Which is fine by me, because, I mean, we're getting enough of it as it was. And instead of Rain, uh, who self-admittedly said that he took a lot of influences from female vocalists as male vocalists, he lists Sinead O'Connor as one of his favorite singers. Hmm. And he said, says that a lot of female singers are less inhibited and in trying new things with his voice, and that was an influence on him. And I think that's a great influence. Um, and that really comes out to play. 
it's still fairly moody stuff, though. Let's not, let's not lie here. It's very consistent in tone. And I agree, this is probably very refreshing for the Canadian music scene. Like, let's think of the other big acts at the time. We're Canadian. Canadian acts at the time. Yeah. Jan Arden. Celine Dion. Sarah McLaughlin. Neil Young. Blue Rodeo. Tragically Hip. 5440. Bare Naked Ladies. Mm. Brian Adams. Uh, the only one I might compare them to in tone would be Moist. Maybe, yeah. I could even see, although there is, this is definitely edgier, I could see maybe a bit of Tragically Hip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is definitely a step in a more uh, harder rock direction. Yeah. I'm noticing at this point that uh, Maida frequently has to or punctuate his songs with his vocalizations. Like, he just does, he does, he, he doesn't really sing as much as he just kind of like, throws in some sort of funky thing he's doing with his voice uh and he's doing that in a lot of his songs um this becomes kind of a staple in the music at least for a little while and i think this uh opens the door to how unique they are seen certainly in this album uh maybe it's a little easier to remember them then because oh yeah is that the song where he goes yeah 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 yeah, i know that one oh yeah yeah i remember that one yeah. <laughs> so I get why this was popular at the time, but truthfully, I'm actually not very impressed with it. And I know that's sacrilegious in Canadian music circles, and I don't want to put down the work. Musically, these are young guys, and they're already fantastic musicians, particularly Taggart, who doesn't seem to half-ass any song. He just goes in full, full tilt every single song. Uh, but the album's tone kind of wears on me a bit as it goes on, and there's not enough musical variety for me to latch on to. There's no track I find challenging or particularly interesting. Uh, Maida's lyrics can be gripping, but can also be very vague. Or is it mysterious? <laughs> uh, now, uh, this was in part as well, uh, I was watching a lot of interviews, uh, especially early interviews they did with much music, and... He tends to be kind of, he tended, I should say, to be in his head a lot of the time, you know, where the others are kind of looking at the interviewer and they're, and they're talking to the mic. He'd be kind of looking down at the floor and just kind of spaced out. And then he'd raise the mic up to his mouth and, and give a, uh, yeah, well, you know, you know, it's just kind of the way we're feeling sort of thing and, and stuff. However, just, just today, I watched an interview from last year when Rain Maida and Matthew Good were doing a, uh, uh, they were doing a, a small tour together and they are being oh, wow. interviewed. Like it's like the, the Kings of 1999. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Poor Matthew Good has not aged well. That was shocking to see, but he's had some mental health issues. But, yeah, they they watched some of their old interviews and Ring noted from the get-go, he's just like, I was so, so nervous. That's when Canada I must you. have been, I mean, I, I can tell, I was nervous. Yeah, I could see it in, like, my body language and I feel I feel bad for myself there. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> and that that kind of that really softened me. I was just like, oh, you know, because I mean, it's easy for us to watch those interviews now, forgetting how young they were, and also it's just like you know, everything was happening so fast, you know, yeah. and and okay, so maybe the others were a little more you know socially present in the interview, but you know, maybe that was something that he was having a hard time with, and so yeah. you know, my heart went out to him actually. I, ironically enough, he said that about himself. He says, my heart goes out to the guy, uh, referring to his younger self. The 1995 Junos, they lost oh. best best alternative album to Shiver by Rose Chronicles. Remember that one, Doug? Not in the least. <laughs> 
No, no, no I don't remember. Shiver by Rose Chronicles. By Rose Chronicles, yes. You know, the Canadian classic. Doesn't ring a bell. Nope. Uh, then again, I mean, guess we weren't really listening too much in the way of uh, Canadian rock music. Sure, but time. I mean, I'm just pulling this out just to say a look at how, you know, Junos have their heads up their asses. <laughs> so let me continue well, on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they also lost producer of the year to Robbie Robertson, uh, which actually, I'm okay with that one. Robert yeah, Robert Robert he's, a, yeah he's, he's great. Yeah. But they did win Best Album Design. Like the cover? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hmm, I wonder what give those, those guys an award. What the after party was like, I wonder. Yeah, well, yeah. well we got it. Anyways, uh, this would be the first of their album covers to feature model Saul Fox, who they was kind of their their muse for a little while. Uh, so they did some touring, apparently in a van, driving across the country, playing some gigs, yeah, yeah. finding that uh, apparently the, hard, the hardest thing about being a band, Doug, isn't to write your sophomore album. It isn't to perform in front of an audience. Apparently the hardest thing is just to stay together as a, as a band and have everyone feel satisfied. Uh, that yeah. interview I was talking, I was talking about um, with Rain Maida and Matt Good, Matt Good just said outright that the band, they all hated each other. Uh, which was definitely no secret by the time they broke up. That's, they, uh, yeah, that's, uh, they were together because they were making money. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible place to be. I, can't, I, I honestly, like, I, I don't know if I could stand that. Like, the amount of work you have to do to make music together. I mean, I guess maybe in Mad Good Bad, maybe he just wrote the songs and they just played the music. Possibly. I don't know how it works. But Our Lady Peace seemed a little more collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope, well, I guess at least they didn't hate each other, or at least I hope not. <laughs> uh, no, they seem, they seem on the whole to get along okay. Uh, now at this point though, they have lost, bassist Chris Eckert is gone, Aww. and instead they got Duncan Coates, who would be with them, actually I think he's still with them, Duncan Coates, 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 Coates. Yeah. Yeah, he's still yeah. with them, Duncan Co- Coates. Anyways. So he's joined aboard January 23rd, 1997, Clumsy, released by Columbia Records, who would be releasing their stuff for quite a while, and produced again by Arnold Lanny. And to be honest, this is quite a gap between albums. Yeah, a good three years. Yeah. Yeah, which is for, yeah, for that early in your career, you know, like, I think there's a lot of pressure to follow up very quickly, right? Yeah. It's just like, look, are you guys flashing the pan or not? And I wonder, you know, by the time 1996 was rolling around, I'm, I, I wonder if, if Sony was like, yeah, they're not really doing anything. Let's well, put them in one of our subsidiaries. Let's put them in Columbia. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe they just felt that the stuff that they're coming up with had promise. I don't know. Yeah. What? What? Columbia's actually won. Christ, I mean, like this would have been basically our first exposure to Our Lady Peace, whether we knew it or not, because Clumsy was on the radio all the damn time. The the single for sure, Clumsy. Yeah. Well, I I heard, uh, I heard that song. I'm gonna guess uh, about fifteen thousand times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just a loose a loose estimate. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, and I watched the music video too, and uh, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna say this right now. It is a rare day when I'm even remotely interested in an Our Lady Peace music video. It honest, honestly, honestly is. Uh, most of the videos are. There's just not much going on in them. Okay. See, I didn't check any out, and I was I was worried that I would I kind of missed out on something. But... Clumsy. It's them playing in a in a in a room, and the the lighting is kind of you know all, you know it's it's warm lighting, but it's shades of red and orange and yellow, and the, there's a light moving, and then there's water filling in the room and stuff like that, and 
ah, and there's somebody in a room in the another room that's filling with water, and you know, there's you know, quick flash cuts and stuff. Oh, you know, you know, we've we've all seen the videos yeah, like this. Okay, okay, let's can we talk about this single for a second here? Okay. Why was this single so popular? I don't. I mean, I get it. There's some. There's a bit of the lyrics. Okay, yeah, I get it. The lyrics are are stinging. You know, I'll be waving my hand, watching you drown, watching you scream. I mean, they're stinging, but they're saying sadly. I guess that it's a tragic song, but it has. Well, but there's a little bit I of uh, optimism in there too. Like maybe you just need a friend. Um, you can you'll, you'll be safe in here. Sure. Yeah. You know, like it's sort of a it's sort of a comfort song in a weird kind of way. It's not enough for me though. Okay. I don't I don't get why the song was that popular. Yeah, you know. Well, okay. I was actually I, I decided to kind of think about this a little bit myself. Mm. You know, I, again, I tried to like take myself back. Yeah. And pretend that I haven't heard the song fifteen thousand times, and and had pretend that it wasn't overplayed horrifically by the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to warm up to it, and you know, I was looking in the context of the album, and it definitely has one of the more interesting melodies and the more interesting like dynamics of, of a lot of the songs in the album. Yeah. Um, but I guess if you listen to radio singles, that isn't necessarily something that matters too much. And so there, it definitely has like a, a more like. Uh, it has a bit of an arc to it, so it has a, as it starts off very slow, mm-hmm. piano, and then it it does really swell up. So and then it, then, oh yeah, cool. then it comes down, and then it bursts the, the yeah. chorus and it comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So, but still, like I, it's still maybe it's just because I can't unhear it, and mm-hmm. I just and I just, um, and it, yeah, I, I just I'm not really brought in by the hook too much. Um, but what I will say is there's that musical bridge in here. Where it's like, yeah. Again, Rain Maida doing his. I gotta throw in some vocalizations. And you know what? I really like that that bridge. When like it actually has a pretty cool, like just sort of him doing that kind of cool vocal thing. And and again, the uh, the drummer is Jamie Taggart. Yeah, Taggart. Like that dude is really like really hammering it home. He never half asses Mm -hmm. any song. And so like there's some cool like, like just like really. Like a real presence in the percussion that I do feel like kind of wins me over for that like section of the song. Okay, so um, for so for that ten fifteen seconds, you're you're invested a little bit longer than that. So twenty to thirty seconds. Yeah, there you go. And I'm like I'm like ooh yeah. And then it, then the, the energy dies. It's like then that's when it comes back and it's I'll be waving my hands. And then and then you know it continues as expected. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know I I I, I feel like. I feel like I got the song a bit more, but I still it still didn't really like. I still don't love it, mm. you know. So I, but I, I definitely gave it its fair shake. I really tried, and I did find some things that I did appreciate about it. Fair, yeah. Now, do you not feel though? Um, Superman's dead. I feel like that's that's the stronger single, to be honest. Actually, yes. Uh, I was gonna. I was also gonna mention that. Do it. Um, so Superman's dead. Mm-hmm. I feel this is stronger <laughs> single of the two. <laughs> um, well, it just uh, it has a really raw energy. Uh, it's that, frantic. That, it's a frantic uh, song. That that hook is pretty memorable. The not just the wah a woo wah a woo. Yeah, see, that's what we're talking about with Ray made his vocal choices. Yeah, he he just throws those in. He's yeah, like he's like, like I gotta I gotta fill the air. Yeah, but you don't forget stuff like that. Okay, and, exactly. And, but even even the the lyrics of why I superman's dead like that's it's very memorable and so yeah it, it's got a it's got some punch to it and i think it's it um i don't know if it's if i would have opened the album with it mm. 
But I think it's, you know, maybe maybe it is a good choice. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily have a better nominee. So, yes. <laughs> so why not open the album with it? So, yeah, I'd say Superman is Dead is a stronger song. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I remember hearing Automatic Flowers occasionally on the radio, and I think the song's okay. I think the song's okay. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't overplayed because I can imagine getting sick of it. I but heard, I'm okay um, with Automatic Flowers. I don't remember that one, but I remember 4 a.m. Hmm. on occasion. I think I, I wasn't. It wasn't one that was played a lot, but I did hear it. Truthfully, I, I always forget how that song goes, and then whenever I listen, I'm like, oh yeah, this one, and then immediately forget it afterwards. Yeah, you know, I, I can't contradict that because I'm having trouble thinking about how it goes right now. So, but I <laughs> Maybe do... he needs to do or something. Aye, 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 aye. It's 4 a.m. 4 a.m. <laughs> no, but that that is not no, don't do how that. the song goes. It's no. no. Shall I continue? Continue. I yeah, my... um, so, yeah, I was uh, I, ultimately with Clumsy, the album, since we were talking about the song, Clumsy album, I, I, I feel like I was really hoping that it would work for me. Like I was, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna this time, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get what all the fuss was about. Uh, but truthfully, it, it didn't. Um, especially, I guess, like seeing things like um, top 100 Canadian albums ever mm. and stuff like that. It's sort of like, oh, okay, well, this is obviously a classic. But it, I mean, it sure is all right. I will give the album this for sure. It has a very visceral energy that flows consistently throughout it. Um, and I can't put my, f- I can't even really put my finger on what doesn't work for me here. There's a bit of a sameness about it, I guess. And it's got, you know, it's got a lot of ad- attitude, but it's kind of, a, it's kind of glum. You know, it's just kind of, it's kind of a downer. <laughs> um, there are some standout tracks. Um, one that I did like was uh, Carnival. It has a kind of a cool underplayed element to it. Uh, plays a lot with like dynamics, a lot of like volume uh, up and downs and stuff like that. I, I did enjoy 4AM and and, and Superman's Dead as mentioned, but but yeah, you know, I just I just don't see myself coming back to the album very much. I I probably listened to a few songs, but I just I I, I really did give it a fair shake, but I, I don't I don't get what all the fuss was about. Even I don't know by '97. Uh, no, nah, I don't know what else to add. Okay, <laughs> take it away. <laughs> yeah. Again, again, I know I've mentioned it now twice before. I gotta mention it. Friggin' Taggart, Jeremy Taggart is on point with these tracks. He was a, ja- a jazz drummer, uh, oh. a jazz drummer, and he always seems to stand out. And he punk, he punches those songs. He's sharp. He's precise. And I think that that it was a wise choice to have him on because he his drumming plays against Maida's vocals because Maida's vocals tend to be prolonged and carry, whereas his percussion is is sharp and and you know mm-hmm. very very sharp and very precise. Uh, so, I mean, those really, really work for me. Carnival. I like Carnival. It starts a little bland, but that chorus is pretty awesome. That's that's good. That's good stuff. I like the theme of the album more than the album itself. So there's an idea that struggling through life, not through external factors serving as obstacles, but sort of an inner ineptness providing stable footing. You know, that there's an inherent, inherent thing going on that's stopping you from for being really successful. It's a good look at a person trying to succeed. They're still sabotaging themselves, though. Even if they don't even know it. Also, something, something, something about a circus. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> now, the two closing tracks are interesting. The story of 100 Isles is a good closeout musically, but then when paired with Car Crash, it really lends to a very compelling summation of this theme. Car Crash doesn't start well, but the last two minutes get really good. Even made us howling, and yes, I know, you're like, Steve, don't be so mean. The guy's a legend. He howls. Legitimately, in songs, he howls. As in, like, 
he he lifts his chin up in the air, expands his throat, and then just lets it all out. Words not necessary. He howls. But they seem like part of an improvisational session the group did on the fly here at the at the end of Car Crash. It almost seems like Car Crash, the end wasn't written. It was just them like just, just going for it. And then the way it kind of peters out is very unlike a car accident and then is instead kind of like a quiet death. And I was just like, okay, boom, we punch out that album. I agree. I'm not sure how we should start the album. I'm not sure. But that's definitely a great way to end the album. Fair enough. Big fan. Well. Well. I never actually picked up that album. My now wife, Jessica, had had the album for years. Yeah. Um, I, and I hope that Our Lady Peace fans haven't checked out yet. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're, 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 giving, we're giving it all a fair shake, I feel. So back in the days of uh, music television, Douglas, you remember that? Music television. Music television. Uh, when well, uh, we had a we had a Canadian music television. We did. Uh, we had a called, couple uh, called uh, Much Music. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was basically that. Yeah. And uh, sometimes if they were just running ads, they would be advertising for new new CDs that were out. And I think yeah, you get yeah. that kind of with YouTube now. Actually, it's still kind of a thing. Oh yeah, I see it on YouTube. Yeah, they're yeah. always trying to push music on me. I'm like, hey, push better music. Spotify. On me. Spotify recently has been trying to push Taylor Swift's new song on me. Really? And she's like, hi, this is Taylor Swift. I'm so excited to, to uh, introduce this song. It's called Me or something. And the lyrics are just all yeah, about her. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I know, right? But then I'm like, well, hold on. No, she just did like a tremendously huge service for artists on, on Spotify. So, um, you know, right. she can yeah, she can get, have it. She'll get a pass. She can have it. This time around. Yeah. Uh, um. And then, so this ad came up. This must have been. Wait, is this on Spotify? No, no, this, no, this is way back in the day. This is much music. This is uh, uh yeah, yeah. this is mid to late. No, this would have been late nineteen ninety. No, but I was talking about the Taylor Swift thing was. On yeah, that was on Spotify. So yeah. you don't you don't have the you have the you have the one with the ads. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm doing all right for now. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So late late nineteen ninety nine, much music, and then I still remember the I ad. I hate commercials so much. I, I just pay ten bucks a month. I'm like just just. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to don't don't interrupt my albums. Yeah. Go away. It, it might get to that point because honestly, Lord knows YouTube is driving me nuts with the ads. They Just doubled up. Nuts. They doubled up. Sometimes yeah. even three. Yeah. More often than not, two. Yeah. And it's like, guys, that's why people come here. They don't want to watch commercials. Well, that's just it. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sidebar. You're 100 percent right because there's some YouTubers out there who have been sticking tons and tons of ads into into their videos, which is their prerogative. Don't 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 get me wrong here. It's their channel, it's their show, and they want to they want to get revenue. But it pisses me off, and I don't want to watch the videos. Now the, the videos creators where they have, where it's like ten minutes long, they add like four ads. Yeah, four ads a part way through, and I'm like, well, now I'm never gonna watch this channel again. Now, and I've heard there was oh, there was a one case recently. I don't remember. It was on the Philip DeFranco show where this one person who did review makeup. I don't know whatever. They put in a ton of ads, and people were were just like, what the hell, man? And he's like. Look, you know, I'm I'm a YouTube uh, a content creator, and I want to generate revenue. And none of you guys, you know, how many of you complain with ads on on television? You know, and that's how they make their their revenue. And it's just like, first of all, everybody complains about ads on television. I, yeah, I, I we've always said. Secondly, why do you think we've that, gone to YouTube? That's the bathroom. That's the bathroom break time. What is the, is the ads? Uh, on. Yeah. Why did we go to YouTube to stop watching the goddamn ads? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like okay, so I get it. It's your prerogative. You're allowed to put as many bloody ads on your show as you want don't act surprised if people get pissed off <laughs> legitimately don't get 
Don't be surprised. Yeah. Don't be like, well, other people do it. Why do you think we stopped listening to the radio? Why do you think I can't... I had listened to my iPod and I can't freaking turn into the radio because it drives me bananas listening to the ads. ads. I, I, I would rather listen to nothing than listen to radio ads. I, if, 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 if there's a, a slew of radio ads, boom, off. I just don't... I turn it off or I switch stations. If I can't find a station without ads playing, off. Definitely, for sure. Can't take it. it you know, the worst offender, mm-hmm. not even music related, AM 730. I tune in... For traffic updates, it's like I gotta know if the border's packed. I gotta know if like my my route is has a huge delay, I, and and they're just like, okay, let's play four ads first, and you're hostage to those ads because you're like, I gotta hear the traffic highlights because they play yeah. them after every ad break. They play the traffic highlights, and those advertisers know it, and you're held hostage to those ads. And I I don't I mean I get it, Boyd Auto Body whatever i but it's just like oh i hate you so much oh i uh yeah <laughs> i agree with everything you said. Uh, <laughs> so okay. so anyways happiness <laughs> a late uh late 1999 an ad comes on i will see if i can <laughs> i will see if i can find it and play it here uh, if I was unable, unable to find it, which is very possible, it's it was like this is Our Lady Peace, and then a quick clip from One Man Army where made us like I remember falling, and this is happiness is not a fish, blah blah blah, and and just uh, you know pick up the new album now. There was something about that about that hook right in there. I didn't even like hear the complete chorus, but something about that hook, I became instantly curious, instantly curious about this album. And I think this is one of the instances where I went out. And I bought the album because there was just something within that hook that I, it just sounded fresh to me mm. in 99. It's, it's, it didn't sound like anything else I was listening to because I mean, I was definitely listening to pop radio at this point. And this sounded, this sounded, uh, aggressive, but interesting. And so I went out and I bought the album and a lot of my friends had this album and this was happiness is not a fish that you can catch. And my goodness, my goodness, what a hell of an album. What an interesting, interesting album. But before I get further into it, sir, uh, I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts. So I'm gonna share now. Steve Steve did indeed buy this album, and uh, now now first of all, in retrospect, you know, no disrespect to you, Steve. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, because you know you didn't have many CDs. I, I did not. That's true. Uh, and and so like I don't know what I expected you to do, but like he listened to this album so much, I could not stand. I hated this album, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I uh, and you know again because like just something about Our Lady Peace and Rain Made His Voice like I just wasn't I wasn't about that life. I was twelve years old, damn it, and I wanted to listen to like Eiffel sixty five and like um actually you know what I was really into I think at this point I got really got into Californication by Red mm. Chili Peppers if I recall correctly. Ah mm. uh, yeah, I just I just I used to I used to just. I would come up and you were all. I would come up to your room and you were always playing it and just like, oh. <laughs> and you know, also probably there's this level of like, well, that's what he's into, but I'm not into it because I'm my own guy and blah blah blah. Anyway, stupid twelve year old sibling stuff. So, anyways, but again, it's like, well, the guy had like four or five CDs. I, I, I again, I had, <laughs> I had now four, half of which was unlistenable. Okay, true, yeah. <laughs> there were some great tracks in there. There were also some real duds. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, you, you are the girl of my dreams. I mean, hey, you know, I'll say that is that I would much rather listen to Our Lady Peace at the time than the Moffats. Uh huh. Wow. I, I never made it through the whole song, never once. 
Oh, you know, I don't know if I ever did yeah. either. I think I got past that opening, and I was like, nope. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Checked out. Uh, oh. Acton Baby, uh, the best of James Bond. <sighs> Boy, uh, oh, really uh, rich and back. Here's 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 uh, one that nobody else will know. Is uh, the Burnaby South Jazz Band, uh, Big Bands Bash or something like that? Oh, or? that that was even a little later than this. Oh, it was okay. Yeah, that was that was like a year after this. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool south winds blowing. That's right. Cool, uh, that cool, cool south, south winds. winds blowing. Okay, I think Big Band Bash was one of the songs on it, right? Possibly so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what I had at this point. It wasn't. It wasn't a lot. It was not. So like, it's like, what was I gonna expect Steve to do? Like, just sit there in silence because I didn't like his Our Lady Peace album. <laughs> so you know, it's like... uh, I'm gonna listen to those five tracks off now four again. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe play get what you give <laughs> <laughs> right maybe that Spice Girl song if I'm feeling sentimental was there a Spice Girl song in there? goodbye goodbye my oh, friends oh was that yeah, on, there? It was on there I didn't even know that but I forgot I had, I had to be in a mood to listen to it though mm. had to be in a yeah, mood there's worse songs to be yeah, honest yeah anyway <laughs> but again the whole point behind this yeah I'm just I'm like you know what I'm gonna give it a chance yeah I gotta give it a chance I gotta put my my feelings aside yeah so I used to hate it but truthfully, I think it got me this time. I mm. think I was won over. And I feel that overall the songwriting is more compelling and and the uh, the music is better produced than uh, Clumsy. And it's produced as such to really bring out Rain Maida's strengths. So some of my biggest surprises were uh, Happiness and The Fish mm-hmm. wound up really, really bringing me in. Uh, Blister and uh, Lying Awake. You know, I... I yeah, I, I think that I underestimated how much he uses his falsetto sound mm. in a lot of these courses. And, like, there's something about the way he he goes from his sort of grainy vocals and, and, and flows very almost seamlessly into this sort of higher falsetto and then goes right back down and, and just plays around with his, his vo- voice, uh, the way he uses his voice so much. And, and I think he's really perfected that in this album. So yeah, although those tracks really uh, brought me in, uh, actually a lot more. I find that I I really was compelled by more of the album tracks than the singles, hmm. except for One Man Army. That and and, and this is this, I have never had anything bad to say about One Man Army. Um, so I'm I, even when I was like I don't like Radio Any Peace, but One Man Army is really good. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a track. Uh, <laughs> so like it it, it remains it, and it remains a favorite. Um, Annie is also pretty stellar, I yeah. find. Annie is a really compelling song. Um, kind of distinct in within the album, too. It, it just has a very different kind of tempo and feel than a lot of the other songs. I'm going to say distinct within their, uh, their discography as well, to be honest. Hmm. Um, it, I would be hard-pressed to find a song quite as... Um, I want to say manic? You know, there's a, there's uh, a lot of like... Um, Definitely like this in the verses, very staccato, like da na 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 da 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 da, yeah. like very very staccato sounding. But uh, yeah, some of the singles is anybody home? Again, maybe it's an overplayed kind of thing, but I didn't really feel like it. I, I mean, I didn't hate it, yeah. but I, I'm just like, eh, you know, could take it or leave it. You know, um, I don't know if you remember when they finally released it onto the radio. They had a very strange radio edit of it where they stripped away a lot of the the heavier rock elements. Well, it played. 
the, the particularly Zed, which was the uh, for anyone listening, the pop radio station. Yeah, they did. They definitely played an edit mm-hmm. um, where I remember hearing it on the Fox, um, and it was uh, definitely like it was the original album version. It was. It was definitely they. They maintained that grit. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember too much of the popular version, except I do remember there was some points where. In the course where he goes, when it goes really quiet and it's just him singing "Is Anybody Home," they added some drums in there, mm. um, just very light drumming. Would just I guess because they maybe felt like that level of silence was unacceptable pop <laughs> radio. I don't know. <laughs> Christ, I mean, you may be one hundred percent correct. Um, so I do appreciate the rock version more. Uh, just the fact that they were willing to. Take it really quiet and then mm-hmm. elevate it. Um, you know, maybe I'm talking myself into liking it more. <laughs> um, thief. Uh, let's talk about Thief. Yeah, we should, we should talk about Thief. Uh, if um, there was a, a single that I would have thought to be the runaway single off this album, I'm not entirely surprised as Thief, but in a way I kind of am as well as to how successful it was. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I do wonder how successful it was because I was looking at uh, the Our Lady Peace Spotify. Yeah. Um, and it is not in the top ten. See, that's very strange to me. You yeah. Know? Although, actually, in fairness, with the two songs from Gravity, probably bumped it down, to be honest, because those freaking songs were huge. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. We'll get, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm very surprised by some of some of these because i feel yeah i feel like thief uh we heard it all the all time. the time it was on the radio and and much music a mm-hmm. lot uh-huh and again an unfortunately boring video because they're sitting there in the rain and then sometimes they would go in slow motion you see the water dripping off their noses yeah, and it would just yeah. go around them and that's really it it's like come on guys help me <laughs> this is really boring um and 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 I remember it played so much because it was it was a it was a rock song, but it was also like tame enough that it could be played on pop radio. There was a point in time when Steve and I were driving in the car. Oh, yes. It came on the radio, <laughs> and so we switched to another radio station, and it was playing and the same song was playing there. Yeah, and then we're like, ah, oh, not Thief again. Well, let's switch to XFM. Yeah, and then we switched to another radio station, and it was playing it was there Thief. Too. I could it was like what was going on <laughs> so like yeah depending on where in the song we wanted to listen to that like those were our options thief thief or thief yeah no kidding <laughs> and they're just like oh okay whatever whatever um i will say <clears throat> i like the last minute of it when it's finally all built up and has and it's gone through its build up and stuff i find the last minute compelling and i like how it ends with the teacher in the class singing i like that little vocal clip at the very end as it winds down so i like where it goes but i have a really hard time listening to it i also tried to give it another i, I tried to give it a chance as i have everything here um and i, I think you and i had enjoyed different things maybe if we joined our, our brains together mm. we would like the whole song but i actually found that like i liked the really slow stuff at the beginning something about you know understand this horror the, the guitar stuff i actually wound up really mm. liking that and I felt that the chorus of the song did it a disservice, and that it like it just kind of took it into kind of a, sort of a predictable zone when it might have been more interesting when he goes it will not go away, and then it, it kind of stayed more quiet, hmm. and it, and it just became it was a very more slow kind of contemplative song, but um, 
but it isn't that's not the song it is it, it it i just i just don't like the chorus i really don't like the chorus and uh, i feel like it takes away from what could have been a really cool contemplative moody track hmm. um so yeah thief doesn't work for me but um but you would anything else you want to add about that particular song or... uh <clears throat> It's weird, isn't it, when you pick up an, an album and you get really into an album due to the upbeat stuff and everybody else kind of wants to listen to the moody, contemplative song, you know? There's almost kind of like a... Yeah, but why not moody one? and contemplative enough. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, right? I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Yeah, I, well, it's, it's just, it's it wouldn't... Like, when I picked up the album, I never would have thought that that, that would have been the song that... That apparently everyone would have loved, but yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I mean the rest of the album, I actually I like quite a bit of it, um, and I and I really got into. I mean, you said like the album closer of Clumsy was great. Yeah, I thought uh, Stealing Babies. Oh no, that's fantastic! Uh, Stealing Babies with yeah. Elvin Jones is, is great. Um, I, I looked up Elvin Jones on YouTube and yeah. and uh, some of his past stuff and. Uh, and I mean, it, it jazz, is definitely, jazz it's definitely him. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely his style through and through. Really interesting stuff. Yeah, and 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 just kind of like the fact that it, the song kind of has an identity, and then partway through it just changes and becomes a very meandering. But like, you know, meandering has sort of a negative connotation, but it just more of a just a little bit chaotic and a little bit. Yeah, it just, it just lets itself kind of exist in a certain kind of space. Uh, it it just. It gets yeah the, the drumming is very jazzy and then and then it's just a lot of noodling but it, mm. it works it, it, it like I'm kind of I'm not selling it well but it, but it really oh no work. it's 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 good it's it's actually no you're right it's very much like the last album where it almost it it does sound a bit more like improvisational uh, stuff near the end and I know it's not because they wouldn't get Elvin Jones to come in and just like eh, play whatever. You know, we'll, we'll kind of play with sign tune. Just, you know, uh, hit the drums. Yeah, hit, hit the, the, do the drums. I mean, come on. But uh, but it does it does have that sort of spontaneity to it, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I think that um, I'm, I, was, I was very pleasantly surprised that I finally gave myself a chance and I actually wound up liking happiness dot 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 is not a fish that you can catch. They actually picked up a new member with Jamie Edwards for keyboards and electric guitar, and I think you can hear that in this. Uh, I think that really rounded out their soundscapes. Uh, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins had accused the band of being derivative, and I think this argument, while not 100% fair, did reflect that their music needed more than what they were doing with Clumsy. There were a lot of grunge rock bands at this out at this point. It'd be too easy to get lost in the shuffle. Too easy to flash in the pan. I remember my dad heard, our dad heard One Man Army and really liked it, and at one point I brought it over to his place, and he plugged in his old headphones, and he... I don't even remember what the hell the rest of us were doing, but you know he was he was just listening to the song itself, and then he kind of checked out at happiness and the fish. I think it was because you know Rain Maida he says a naughty word in that. He did. One. He he says a bad word. Everybody. He says he says a naughty naughty word. Yeah, it starts um, with an F. Uh, yeah, I think he, it's he the did. only one he drops in the whole album though. Uh, yeah, I'm but, pretty sure. But, but it is pretty front and center. So as, as, and as and maybe like as our dad, he felt mm -hmm. a responsibility to react. To he didn't. He didn't really comment too much on it, though. He said, uh, "So, uh, what's your mom think about you listening to this?" And I said, "Ah, oh, she hates it." I was like, oh. <laughs> "Which yeah. truthfully, she did." Uh, I was listening to. I feel like it was either blister or weighted at one point down in the living room. Mm -hmm. 
And then she, our mom, she walks past and she's like, I thought I raised you better than this. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. This is not mom's music. No, no. Like this is this is definitely not. This doesn't sound anything like she would, anything she'd listen to. Yeah, I think that might also be part of the reason why I listen to it so much. You know, to maybe, be honest, maybe. it was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He even that. says the f word. <laughs> hey, for what it's worth, Californication. He oh, drops yeah. an F-bomb there, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark almost destroyed the CD for that. D- what, really? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. It's one of my favorite songs on the album, too. Around the World. Around the World. The That's first right. track. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Bumping and grumping because I'm in my prime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah. No, he heard that he's like, anyone who uses that language doesn't deserve to be on the... I don't know. Like, I can't remember the exact sentence, but it was, it was, it was, it was a really dramatic show, and he was going to break it. And, I'm like, and, I, and I just took it away. I'm like, please, it's my CD. I'll... I'll I won't play it anymore, but just like, don't destroy it. And and I, and I don't remember how I got out of it, but I managed to save my album. And that's why when when he plays stuff like the what's it called, uh, uh, crimes against or uh, oh, cards against cards against Mandy. Yeah, I'm just like, you bastard, <laughs> <laughs> you, like you hypocrite. <laughs> You're playing cards against humanity, and you wanted to destroy one of my favorite albums. Because they said the F word once. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right, uh, so... I'm right there. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> you know, it's it's really hard to kind of look at this one objectively at this point. To be uh, it's true, yeah. I mean, you've had it for, uh, I guess, and, like 20 years. Yeah, and you've, you've actually hit a lot of the same points that I have. I, again, again, major shout out to Annie, to be honest. I've Whoa. always loved that song. Um... <laughs> What's the one where it goes well, it's, fun. It's, it's a fun song, which is not something Arlie Peace is really known for. They're not really known for fun music. I mean, fun? Music? I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'd call it fun myself, but it, it, I find that there's, there's a really kind of eeriness about it to uh, me. Oh, okay. I, I, I feel mm. fun, whimsical, and bizarre. I, mm. I find it kind of like, I kind of find it creepy. She, well, she is, she's definitely a nihilistic lady. But he just loves her so much. <laughs> oh, you know what? Something to be said for that kind of admiration. Devoted admiration. Yeah, I... I um, The thing... Okay, Rain made his lyrics in this. I, re- I like them. I really, really like them too. But there's uh, also a level of... Uh, of Let's say teenage philosopher to them. Because my, my friends, Eric and Megan, were also really, really into this album at this time. And I remember saying at one point over the phone... Uh, to Megan, I believe I said, I said, you know, talking is just masturbating without the mess. And she's like, it really is. You know, that's sort of mm. like, sort of, I don't know how else to put teenage philosopher stuff like, hmm, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, did, I couldn't articulate it myself, but Rain made it just really, he, he really, yeah, he, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right. And I'm not gonna put that down at all, but it's it's interesting, you know, because sometimes there's there's some there's some people who write lyrics and they're just like Ghostland Observatory is a great example of this, where it's just on the nose, observational, you know, here's what I'm doing, here's how I'm doing it, here's how I'm feeling about it, and then you go you go all the way over to the other end, uh, like say Beck or Tom York, and it's like, what the hell are you talking about? And Rain made a somewhere in the middle where he's just like, here's a tangible thing, and here's a metaphor about it. Mm. And you're like, that's a great metaphor. That's, that's Rain made a stone. I'm not going to put it down, but it brings me back to that sort of lyrical analysis. It, bring, right. it brings me back to my early days of, of actually thinking about lyrics. 
Well, you know, it it it's just it's a step. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a step in in the in looking at things with the, with a level of criticism. Hmm. Um, so you know, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I dig it. Now, I was so on board with Our Lady Peace at this point. I was just waiting and waiting, waiting. Oh, I, oh, I waited. And these guys, they had actually performed at Woodstock '99, uh, just oh. prior to just prior to that album coming out, and were kind of taking it, taking it all in, performing. And they saw Rage Against the Machine perform, and to be up, you know, with them uh, and other bands uh, was was really kind of a thing. No matter was, how hard you try, you, you can't, can't stop, stop us now. now. Yeah, actually, I think that song came out around this that point. Uh, Renegades of Funk, two thousand, right around there, yeah. yeah. For sure, that's a yeah, the last album. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. <laughs> oh my god, that was great. So I mean, like, I was stoked for the next for the next uh, album. And the next album, December twelfth, two thousand. This is kind of, I think, one of the shortest. It's it's uh, just over a year. Mm-hmm. It's it's really like I'm I'm impressed that it it uh, it was a shockingly short amount of time. I guess mm. they had the momentum where they created the creative, uh, the creative, yeah. they hit a vein, you know? Uh, Spiritual Machines. Uh, Spiritual Machines. Released by Columbia, produced by Alfred Lenny, but Ray Maida also started producing as well. And Brendan O'Brien, who also worked with Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Killers, ACDC, Aerosmith, Stone Temple Pilots. He was Pearl Jam's longtime producer as well. Um, so he stepped in to help them as well. And But this album basically was almost written entirely by Ray Maida. They went full concept album on here based on Ray Kurzweil's book, The Age of Spiritual Machines. Kurzweil himself even does linking narration. Yeah, he was apparently really stoked about the whole thing. Yeah. Like, like, we want to make an album based on your book. He's like, I'll send you some vocal excerpts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. I think everybody was happy. Um, now, the art direction, including uh, one of the only videos by them I like, uh, In Repair, feels very okay, computer. Uh, and you, you cannot tell me there was no inspiration from OK Computer for the concept, for the art direction, for the video. Uh, you can't, you can't tell me that it, they didn't at least take a couple notes from there. Well, you know, like uh, at that point in time, uh, OK Computer, it, it, it was just only a few years old, but yeah. it was still like, it was still on fire. We we're still hearing uh, a Karma Police on the radio. Yeah, no, there's, 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 the, I, I feel like for the alternative rock scene. And especially like the, like yeah the experimental rock scene and stuff like that. Um, there's a, that that is a, you're, this is still the time where there everything is under OK Computer's shadow, mm-hmm. whether or not Radiohead wanted it that way or not, probably mm-hmm. not. <laughs> but yeah. Now uh, the album was mostly recorded and mostly done, and Jeremy Taggart was walking home one night, and he got jumped, and he got the tar kicked out of him, badly beaten. Hit him in the eyeballs. Yeah, and uh, there was still some there was still some work that needs to be done, so. While Tiger was recovering, uh, Matt Cameron from Pearl Jam, uh, again, the link through uh, Brendan O'Brien, he came in and he did drum work for Right Behind You and Are You Sad? Uh, so uh, there's there's a Pearl Jam connection. Um, but let's, let's talk about the album itself. I have certainly very complicated feelings about it. But what do you think about it? Man, I do not miss life. <laughs> are we are we starting right there? Uh, well, that was my first note. I, I don't okay. know. Do you want me to start right there? We 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 could start with that. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. Since Spotify is it in the is it in spot the top ten for for? Actually, you know what? Again, curiously enough, no. Isn't that bizarre? 
maybe it just means that people ever since Spotify's been a thing, people have had better taste in. Or, uh, or you know what? I don't even know if this is a definitive top ten. Uh, I don't because I don't know where to get the numbers for anything else. I, I can I can either choose five or ten songs where I can see how how popular they are. But yeah, it's not in that not in that list there. But it, it, this one was another one that was well like very very overplayed. Oh God. Arguably worse than Thief, although we never had that same experience. This was even on Big Shiny Tunes five. I think the one the one I had. I had one. I think it was Big Shiny Tunes five. Wait, Life was on Big Shiny Tunes. Yeah. Didn't that just drag the album down? Uh, it was definitely not like it was. I mean, well, I was thinking Big Shiny one. Tunes is like heavier stuff. Yeah. No. Uh, most of it. Most of it was pretty pretty high octane. Like there was like huh. Lincoln Park and. And uh, Limp Biscuit and Nickelback and uh, you know all, all, like a lot of this a lot of this stuff um, that we but yeah no life was just it was the big song uh, let me let me just say for the record here I get what the song's about I understand it if you find personal meaning to the song about getting knocked down getting bullied overcoming some tremendous adversity and finding the will to live I I cannot cannot speak against that sentiment right i just really wish it was in a better song uh also if you really want to listen to a song about that you should just listen to um tub thumping (laughs) (laughs) was that on big shiny suits (laughs) not that year it wasn't (laughs) you know you're not wrong (laughs) You know what? I get knocked down, but I end up again. Uh, Although I think it's because they drank themselves under the table, truthfully. Well, hey, they're British. Okay. <laughs> hey, why are they drinking in the first place? Maybe I didn't consider that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that's just if, if you're feeling like you just want an alternative to life, the song Life. Can you imagine in repair? Then tub thumping the middle of yesterday. <laughs> Just stick tub thumping in instead. <laughs> no, but I'd be up for it. I'd, I'd... Yeah, I hate that song. I just hate it. Uh, so the version of Spiritual Machines mm-hmm. that I have on my iPod, yeah. I have I have removed it entirely. Same. And honestly, the album's better off. I think so. Even from just, not, not just because I don't like the song, but from the standpoint of the flow, In Repair just leads better into Middle of Yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. they just they just match better. The energy, like, life sucks the energy right out of those two songs. And, they you know, they basically, like, In Repair, like, has a really strong energy. Middle of Yesterday does as well. But it has to, like, resuscitate the album after life. And I just, and it's just like, why not just keep it on a roll, you know? My question for you if you swap middle yesterday in life so that life led into are you sad do you think it would work better i think it would work better i wouldn't still wouldn't like this no no i wouldn't have it on my iPod anyways <laughs> but i i think that it it would be a stronger choice to do that life but, sucks yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's all i have to say uh, but but as for the album because i have life removed it feels like there is a shift in tone after middle of yesterday um, that feels very intentional, and uh, and it, the songwriting uh, just it just kind of takes it just kind of slows down a little bit. Not entirely, because everyone's a junkie, so kind of like high end. If you believe, it, it has a higher a bit of a higher energy too. But like the heavier stuff is at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it that it kind of me it, it, to me it kind of feels like more traditional Our Lady piece, and then it kind of transitions into this sort of 
this sort of uh, more contemplative, like, concept album version of Our Lady Peace. And I like it. I like it. Are You Sad, uh, once it once it comes in, he really embraces a lot of that falsetto-y stuff that I, I like a lot. The songwriting in general is very bold. The production is super clear, very refined. This is an extremely distinct album in their catalog. Yeah. Extremely yeah. distinct. Yeah, and, and uh, honestly, like, I, I really admire the creative direction it takes. The fact that there's these arcade little um, pieces strewn throughout the album that that really uh that just kind of play off this cool theme um of of uh of an exploration of artificial intelligence and humanity and what it means to be like where's the line between machine and man very it's very interesting stuff and uh the wonderful future the closing track uh may be one of the band's crowning achievements in songwriting and production like it is it is a phenomenal track that really closes the album out on a on a super high note terrific vocal performances um and just the icing on the cake although i do feel like the the 12 minutes of silence is a little long <laughs> but that really cool um hidden conversation uh with some kind of eerie music uh with uh rk the uh kurtzball the yeah. Kurtz, yeah his um his, what he has to say, and and, and Molly, like the the uh, the artificial intelligence, just kind of adds this really cool like eerie element to close the album out entirely. Yeah, so I, I actually yeah I think that this is the fact that it came out so short of time after Happiness uh, is very impressive, and uh, it really kind of landed a good solid like one two punch from the band that like, leaves a really good impression and gave me a lot of hope for where they're going. Uh, after this yeah and it's interesting too because originally they weren't even going to do a concept album they had started recording some stuff and then made started reading reading the 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 book the spiritual machines book and uh and then so basically halfway through was, making the album was it made or was it, i thought it was one of the other guys um i thought i'm pretty sure it was mega who was reading <laughs> mike turner came across the age of spiritual machines uh and uh it really shook uh he says uh, yeah so it's he picked it up and went mental. Okay. Although, Rainmaker apparently brought up... Okay, so he, yeah, he, he did read it, and then he began... It, it started influencing his songwriting. Okay, so it was, it was probably a little column A, a little column B. Sure. So, I mean, the fact that, that suddenly, you know, suddenly now you're making a concept album, and you're able to do so successfully... It's really, really quite impressive. Uh, truthfully, I think it's their best album. I think it has their worst song. But I think I think it's their best album, and I've always felt that. A little, a little snip here, a little snip there. I've always. made such snips. I have <laughs> made such snips. I've always, like when I first heard In Repair, it was it was on the radio, not for long though. But I liked that you know the the string in the background, that that haunting string sound, and the the desperation and resignation of uh, Meta's Meta's voice. During the chorus and stuff like that, I always really, really liked. Yeah, I didn't hear that single much. I, I don't think mm -hmm. it caught on. No, it didn't catch on. I do I do remember hearing it, but it was it was in and gone really fast. Which again, it's too bad. So I mean, the album begins it, it, with right behind you, kind of begins optimistically, but then it, it kind of dips down into more more of a pessimistic re, um, area. Middle of yesterday it does have a jarring open opening, but I really dig the chorus, and it really 
and we did we talked about if you were listening to the, the whole album it needed to be extra jolty after life but it's, it's better without i assure you <laughs> uh made to heal i felt had pixies influence to it very solid rock song uh, but you know honestly you're totally right the second half really builds on itself it's probably the best the best uh the best part of the album all my friends is a standout track has echoes of isolation and I really like what Maida yeah. does with his voice. I didn't even mention that one. I think it's one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, I mean, he's he's his voice is going down, right? I mean, he he gets he gets super super high, but the guitar kind of surges up higher and higher, and his voice is getting kind of lost, which I love. I thought I think that's that's fantastic. It doesn't sound forced or strained, but panicked. And the guitar work, uh, Mike. We need to talk about this here. Mike Turner's an awesome guitarist. He really is. Uh, our friend Travis, he kept up with Our Lady Peace up until Turner left. Uh, more on that in a bit, but I I honestly, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit, but I will stand by that I think Mike Turner is an awesome guitarist. If You Believe has another set of contrasting parts between the energetic verses and then a really down-tempo chorus. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about it is that, that usually I find that the courses are really big swells, mm-hmm. but they, they decide to take kind of the, the opposite approach, which is, you know, it's, it's just little things like that where you're like, oh, you know, it's, it just makes it a little different. Yeah. I feel the song really shines near the end, though, when the chorus suddenly picks up to match the energy of the verses. And then the closer, Wonderful Futural. And, you know, uh, I agree. It's so good. It tries to leave us feeling okay about how things are going. Guitar work is great. Percussion. Again, Taggart is never a slouch. It's snappy, but used sparingly. It even uses the metaphor of a breakup. Um, applied to the unknown future, which makes it all the more relatable. Uh, you know, things eventually will turn out okay. Great, great album. I can't, I can't speak to it enough. I know that although the single was successful, uh, it underperformed, at least according to expectations. I think honestly, they were, they were still trying to. This is tricky because uh, in the interview they did uh, for Woodstock, they said that. Part of the reason why they felt they weren't catching on with the American audience was because they write albums, they don't write singles. This, I find, is half true. But I think they were, there was a part of them that kind of yearned for the freedom that Clumsy gave them because of how how big Clumsy was. Yeah, because Clumsy was diamond in Canada. Huge album. And platinum in the U.S. Huge, huge, huge numbers. And they've never been able to quite replicate that success. They've gone close, but they've never been able to quite replicate that success. And I think a part of them liked the freedom it, it gave them, you know? And I think they were really disappointed with, with how, how, you know, how some of the stuff was turning out. So, 2002, June 18th. I remember when Gravity came out. Yeah. Released by, by Columbia. Produced by Bob Rock, who produced a lot of Tragically Hip. He was a founding member of the Paolas. He also worked with Brian Adams and The Offspring. Figure that out. Hmm. Uh, at this point, Arnold Lanny went off to produce A Simple Plan. Read into that, what do you will. Good luck, mate. <laughs> Bob Rock, he had gone through Mita's lyrics with him. And he said, you know, I don't think anybody really understands what the hell you're talking about. Can you, you know, kind of dumb them down a little bit? Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that kind of note from uh, a producer. Yeah, so Mita did. And while I occasionally found Maida's lyrics to be sometimes a little too heady, I will, I will, uh, I will admit, this is the complete opposite, where it's just kind of like on the nose at times. Mike Turner again, 
who I feel is a very talented guitarist. Guitarist. Mm-hmm. He played on about half the tracks, but Maida felt he just wasn't a good enough guitarist. So there's a lot of there's a lot of dispute as to what exactly happened. Whether Turner said enough of this criticism, I'm out of here, or whether he was fired by the band, or whatever. Somehow Turner wound up leaving. And not on great terms. Not on terrible terms. Not on great terms. And so Steve Mazur came in to do guitar. So Mazur came on late, though. So although he played, he didn't contribute creatively. I remember, truthfully, the radio singles. Somewhere out there in Innocent in particular. And yeah, I don't remember Made of Steel being on the radio. No. It was ringing a bell. And I just, uh, truthfully, truthfully, checked out. Yeah. Not interested. Not interested. Well, actually, you know, I know I've, I've you more read into it, the more I uh, I uh, read that you are not alone mm-hmm. in that, uh, in that this is a very divisive album. It is a huge departure. Um, whatever the identity was of uh, Our Lady Peace from Navid through Spiritual Machines, that changed. Uh, that definitely took a turn here. I was worried, based off of the singles, somewhere out there, which I will say I forgot existed, <laughs> um, but... The moment I heard it, I'm like, oh, right, this song. It played a lot. And I think it was because it was overshadowed by Innocent. Yeah. Um, which I never forgot. I, I was I was worried that based off of these singles that this album would have no spine. And that their, their rock edge would have been completely polished away uh, into basically um, just a really gross pop sellout album. Because, uh, to be completely honest, I, I really do not like those songs. I hate Innocent. Hate it. <clears throat> L- listen, everybody. I hate it. <laughs> um, actually, you know, it did it did defy my expectations a little bit. The that is the gross pop salad album aspect of it is only half true. <laughs> um, but it actually has some teeth and a little bit of grit. To be completely honest, it is a little bit of a harder rock experience than I was expecting. That being said, I still don't like it at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> all For You, the opening track, makes me cringe as they try their hand at what sounds like new metal. Our Lady Peace are not right for that, uh, and they make they make that perfectly clear here. Honestly, this album is just a huge step back. Um, and I, and it is actually really disappointing because you know uh, even though like clumsy didn't really work for me, Navid didn't really work for you. There's you know I think that there's a lot to admire about those albums, despite the fact that we personally don't like connect with them and they don't really work for us. Uh, there's some there's stuff I admire in them that I, that I just don't see here, even though. I don't, you know, I don't like, I, I, I don't like this one. I don't like, I don't really feel that one. And it, I, and it just kind of makes me sad because it's just, um, because after such the, the creative success of the previous two albums, this feels so soulless in, in comparison. It is, it is, uh, it is, it feels very soulless, soulless pop rock and strips the band of their identity and anything that kind of made them special. And yeah, you know what? I'm and I'm and I'm not and I'm not I'm not trying to pull my punches. I just I just and that's how how I feel. Um, and so I but you know also I wanted to give it I wanted to give it a go more than mm-hmm. once. So I gave it I gave it another listen after my first initial listening, and it was even worse the second time. So you know what? So screw gravity. 
<laughs> isn't it isn't it weird i gave such props for like all my friends when when it's just he's just doing so many interesting things with his vocals now at the point he he, he was on four albums of like throwing in vocalizations and trying new things and spiritual machines comes along and he hits the falsetto out of the park and he inserts so many interesting things into with his vocal range and then we get to gravity and all he does is try to sound manly there's not a note of falsetto on this album and that, and that, you know that was what I liked him the most is is I guess he did it he did it super well like it sounded really cool and unique uh, it was something that made Rain made a special yeah yeah no that is that and that's true that's something I noted that that's why they were able to kind of stand apart from other acts like that I mean Billy Corgan can can put them down all they want and say oh you guys are ripping us off but Billy Corgan you don't sound like Rain Meta mm-hmm. you you have your own voice granted but Rain Meta doesn't sound like you you don't sound like Rain Meta. The sounds are different. And then where the hell have the synths gone? Where have they gone? They're gone. Uh, that was the best part of the last two albums is that the, finally they were they were filling their sound up. But they're gone. And then, good God, Taggart is underused on this album. Uh, I can't... I can barely make him out. It's just it's just nor- normal stuff. And jazz drummers hate that. That's, that's, not, that's not what they do. Sell My Soul... Is probably one of the best songs on here. A very compelling chorus. It's so late in the album, though. It's it's too second half. It's too late. yeah, too low, too late. And I like the sentiment and emotion behind "Bring Back the Sun," but the song itself doesn't do much much for me. But at least I feel like there was good material behind it. So no, I don't like this album very much. Uh, I deleted it off my iPod. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. And uh, mixed reviews, but. You know, mixed mixed to negative, which is uh, which is saying something because mm-hmm. they're not. You, I mean, even getting mixed reviews, like music reviews, are so funny. Yeah, like you read them, and it's like it's like Did this album receive generally positive reviews, and you're like that album, really. <laughs> um, so when something gets mixed or negative, like that's that is a slam. That mm-hmm. is bad. There was one review I really connected with that I felt. Um, there we go. Uh, some reviewers went to, as far as to call it a plea for mainstream American acceptance. Yes, yes, one hundred percent for the band that in ninety nine claims that they make albums and not singles. These goddamn <laughs> two somewhere out there and innocent are just single fodder. That's what they are. Easily, yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely, it feels. I'm trying to think of a more. I I really struggling to think of an album that feels more like like a, a blatant sellout album that just like crashes the way that this one does but it was also <clears throat> tremendously successful <laughs> <laughs> yes it was it went twice platinum in canada and gold in the u.s <laughs> no again not as not as not as big as clumsy but i mean if they were looking for commercial success they they certainly got it but at what cost? Dude? Well, I mean, like, no, I mean, you're not wrong. This is their fifth album, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying that, that I'm not saying Our Lady Peace needed to bring out uh, a Kid A and needed to go full electronic. I mean, they could have. I mean, good Lord, can you imagine the head spinning? Um, like, like <laughs> can you imagine Radiohead doing that in 2000 and then Our Lady Peace doing that in 2002? Uh, rock fans would go absolutely mental. They would go out of their minds. I think that it would be... Uh, it would be probably slammed because of the unfair comparisons. 
Like, let's let's face it, like, a lot of bands who try to be Radiohead can't be Radiohead. <laughs> uh, that's fair. So, I guess it depends entirely on how successful they were. But this is a, that's a parallel universe. Early it, it, it is a parallel <laughs> universe early so. piece. Let's move on to... Um, August thirtieth, two thousand five. A few years later, truthfully, Doug, I was I was not feeling great after this because <laughs> oh, I mean, no. now in two thousand three. Oh yeah, wait. I want to talk about live very quickly. I didn't but, listen to it. But, um, yeah. Live is okay, hmm. but not good. <laughs> um, okay. I found it disappointing because I saw that it was on Spotify. I was just like, oh, you know, I'm kind of curious. What does the live version of One Man Army sound like? And, you know, stuff like that. Right, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay. I'm going to be honest. N- nothing too spectacular. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I it's, it's, a, it's a live album. I only can get so excited for live albums. Yeah. Uh, well, don't don't get excited over that one. Anyway, so sorry. As I was saying, yeah, um, I was not on the Our Lady Peace bandwagon anymore. I was not actively yeah, listening yeah. To, listening to them as as the albums were coming out. And after Innocent, I don't think I heard any radio singles from them ever. No, to, I don't remember to this any. day. Yeah. Uh, so this is this was all new stuff to me. This is all completely new stuff to me. And I and I'm listening to the and I'm scared at this point. <laughs> I'm like, I still got to go through like what three, four more albums. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. oh no, come on. Healthy and Paranoid Times. Again, Bob Rock is producing, uh, as well as Our Lady Peace themselves are also producing. I'm also thinking, well, hold on, the Arnold Lanny albums are getting better and better. Then all of a sudden we get a Bob Rock album and it's not good. So same producer. Uh-oh. And uh, released again by Columbia. Uh, now, apparently this was an extremely difficult recording process. Over 45 songs were recorded, most of which the band hated. The original intent intent was a more basic rock album with a live feeling. But this got muddied in the process of trying to record songs at all. A couple other musicians were thrown as well. Adam McDougall on B3 organ. Bob Rock stepped in on guitar and piano. Joel Shearer on guitar. And yeah, so we get into uh, Healthy and Paranoid Times. So do they not have a proper guitarist at this point? or? Oh, no, no. It was still uh, Mazer. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, but yeah. then now, now Mazer was able to contribute creatively. I don't know to what extent. Yeah. But he was... Now, now all traces mm. of Turner are gone, for better or for worse. I think for worse. <laughs> How do you feel about Healthy and Paranoid Times? Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that this is a good direction to go in, but it is the direction they're going in. You just have to kind of accept that. <laughs> Basically, yes, this is how Our Lady Peace sounds now. You can uh, accept it, or you can walk away. If you can move forward, there are some decent tracks on here. I think this is far better than Gravity. Yes. Yeah, yeah like far better than Gravity. I yes. think it's a, mu- a step in a much better direction. Uh, well, let's not say much better, but a better direction. I'll say uh, much. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, there are some good tracks. I actually do really like the first track, Angels Losing Sleep. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Thank you. Is that not a great song? I think it's good. I think it's good. Such a good chorus. That chor- I, I listened to it on Spotify, and as soon as the chorus came on, I was just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I had a bit of that feeling where I'm like, okay. Maybe we're going to be all right. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll um, wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Yeah, exactly. There's some solid hooks as, uh, through it. Love and Trust, I think there's some good hooks. And Where Are You? Um, it's mainstream rock, but at least like it comes it comes across, I think, just uh, more genuine. Uh, it, you know, there was something very false about Gravity and that, that really shone through. And kind of like just tainted it all. Where this this does feel like it's coming through a better place, considering how many tracks they wrote for it. Though, oh, yeah. like I am a little bit like, 
And part of me is still like, so this is the best you guys came up with? Well, it makes you kind of curious about the other 33, right? <laughs> yeah. Just like maybe they threw one out that was actually amazing, or maybe the 33 ones all really stank. Maybe. I don't know. But I will, you know, this is a bit of a sigh of relief. It's like, okay, yeah, they're, you know, they, they are going in a direction. It's not exactly where I would have wanted them to go, but they're going there. And now we're starting to see some results. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that are the, yeah so I'd, I'd say it's you know it's not a bad album it's actually it's it's not it's uh there's no like there's no cringe moments that I can think of off the top of my head so that's so that's good yeah. <laughs> I don't know I almost feel like the praise sounds faint but actually like I do appreciate it what do you think yeah no I mean it had mixed reviews and it's a super mixed album I agree. Sons, like Love and Trust they're pretty good the high points are are really high it's a nice return from the last album. But I'm yeah I I again just based on kind of the lower points it almost feels wrong to call them low points but the lower points you kind of wonder about the cutting room floor what was going on uh, I will say as a closing track El Janina leave the light on is very effective and it's a highlight on the album it's very gentle it's very contemplative it's they, pretty good yeah, stuff they got the uh, the closing track thing down you can almost feel the conflict in constructing this album though because there's no real unity I don't feel any unity to this album. It's a rock album, and that's about that's it. That's true, actually. It does have very much like, this is a song, this is a song, this mm-hmm. is a song. Again, kind of counter to their idea, or the, the thing they said before about uh, being writing albums. This isn't really an album. This is a... Well, I mean, it is an album, but it's like... It's yeah. Not, it's not... Yeah, you know, it's not that organic experience. Well, yeah, uh, but again, they had a really hard time writing it. So at least, at least we know that. Maybe at the time in '99, they were they just had a more an easier time composing an album. And now at this point in their career, now they're they've hit the sort of the maybe even the U two wall where they're just like, oh, not good enough, right, 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 not good enough. Not good enough. And, you know, maybe maybe they're starting to get a bit a bit lost in yeah. in what they want. Still way better than Gravity. It, this also went platinum in Canada. However, even Maida himself later claimed he wasn't pleased with the album as uh, as it was too full of songs that were earmarked for singles. November 21st, 2006, they released a best of called Decade. There was not much to say about this one, except no. that I am not a fan of ha- of this kind of track order. Chronological. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I was a little bit eh on that as well. I don't like it. Uh, like and them. and some uh, some different mixes, but well, I, you yeah. have you have to because take a look at One Man Army. This is something I noticed. It's an opening track, so when you stick it as track seven, you gotta rework it. Did you then need to keep it in chronological release? If it meant retooling the songs, anyways. You could argue maybe it shows the evolution of their sounds, but looking at the tracks, I feel like it's just too disjointed. It seems to be less about making an album and more about putting out a compilation for people to buy. Yeah. Um, I don't even, you know, truthfully, I don't even know if the band had anything to do with this or this is just Columbia. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Columbia's like, hey, you guys have been around for a decade now, right? Mm-hmm. How about we release a compilation album called A Decade? And they're like, well, just cut us the jacks. <laughs> <laughs> there are two new tracks. Well, yeah, I didn't really listen to them. They are. Kiss on the Mouth and Better Than Here. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're okay. Yeah, I think I remember. I, I, yeah, that's right. I did listen to them. And uh, yeah, I think they're, they're okay. They're fine. Yeah. And then, in 2009, there's another compilation. The Best of Our Lady Peace. Mm-hmm. Basically the same, but it leans more towards their later stuff. It's just shorter, mostly. 
Yeah. It's a lot of the same songs. A lot, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of, yeah. but not completely. Uh, this one, I think, I'm not going to pin on the label because at this point in time, American Idol, there was a contestant named David Cook. Uh, he was a huge fan of Our Lady Peace and dropped their names and and made it very known how much he loved uh, loved them. And he actually wound up winning that year. And their popularity, Our Lady Peace's uh, sales went up. So I have a sneaky suspicion that the label. Quickly throughout this, uh, through this out when the sales start to go up, it kind of looks like it was quickly put together. So you know, it, it you know they're just there's a point in time in a band's career when the label just wants to release at least compilations, <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was around uh, that year, yeah, uh, the late two thousands. Yeah. Next album, July twenty first, two thousand nine, and we get burn, burn, burn. <laughs> this one was produced by Rain Meta and released by Coalition Entertainment which is owned by the CIRPA, the Canadian Independent Record Production Association. Sony distributed it in Canada and Warner Music Group in the U.S., but technically now they're not... They're now attached to an underground label as they're moving around... Moving, I should say, away from labels. The band's intent was to do a more proper rock album that would be more raw and... Wait, hold on. What? We're doing that again? <laughs> what? Did we just do that the last time? <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of sick of bands doing things like that where they're just like, yeah, we're really taking it back to the roots. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. take, what, you're not taking it back to the roots. You wouldn't. You don't sound anything like your old self. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't even claim it, all right? <laughs> and I do feel that that rings true here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it sounds anything like old R. Lady Peace. Although they don't, they don't really sing. Oh, yeah, no, they do. Featuring Returns. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, they're totally like, yeah, this is going to be like Naveed, but more mature. <laughs> yeah, right. No, um, okay, so... Actually, no. Clumsy was like Naveed, but more mature. Yeah. That's kind of what it should be when yeah. it's your second album. So I'm not going to lie. All You Did Was Save My Life sounds like 2000s Christian rock music. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, it does. It does. Um, I, I just said it was ho-hum. So, oh, okay. okay. I mean, same thing. I don't know. In that, it sounds like like what a band is like. Okay, so this is what this is what mainstream rock listens sounds like right now, guys. So let's try and do that, but let's put God in the lyrics. <laughs> Only this time they didn't put God in the lyrics. Although you know what, you could kind of read some of it as as sort of Christian lyrics, but I I don't think that's what they're going for. But like it really sounds like it. <laughs> um, actually, and and you know that kind of carries through the whole album. It just really sounds like records that say like kids like this kind of rock music right now, so play it. Um, which is weird because this says this is just them. Like there's no there's no extra producer. It's a more independent label. So it it's 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 it sounds like the most sounds like a very studio meddled album, but without the studio meddling, which is kind of a weird place to be. Uh, I find it all rather bland, to be honest, uh, with an exception with Monkey Brains, which mm. actually Monkey Brains rocks pretty hard. Yep. Actually, I really like it. It's just kind of a weird enigma in the album, though. Sarcastic um, tone. Some some interesting energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I found, though, that Maida was playing it safe with his voice in there, though. But I'll agree. It's yeah. a good song. Refuge has promise of a cool atmosphere. But once the course hit, it just kind of becomes a little bit generic. Alas, um, sometimes the sometimes the album does feel inspired, but overall, it just it does feel a little bit lifeless. Like they just didn't they just didn't really take it to the level that they should have. It, yeah, there's it's just 
it's a kind of a disappointing. It, 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 I think whatever was like, the, there's no clear, like, yes, this is a good song. Like in Healthy and Paranoid Times, there were good songs, even though there was kind of ho-hum like direction for the album. This one is a little more like directed, but it's, but the direction is just kind of, it's kind of just a boring direction, I guess. With just a few, a few moments of like inspiration and monkey brains. Mm. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't care for it, to be honest. I, I was kind of disappointed. It's better than Gravity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's definitely better than it Gravity. It is better than Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of Steve's notes is better than Gravity, I guess. Uh, well, good. Please uh, carry on. Okay, sorry. Dreamland is track two. It's, a, it's an okay rock song, but we need to ban the phrase, the kids are all right. <laughs> no... We're not doing it anymore. I'm retiring that lyric. It's done. It was done by The Who in like the 60s. Yeah, well, now, it is It is double done now. It is a million times done. Here's when it should have been the most done. Yeah. Is when The Offspring released The Kids Are Not Alright. <laughs> and 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 that album, that song was that song was awesome. And and it was a it was a cool twist on this kind of cliché lyric. The kids are not all right. No, they're 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 there's there's the problems. The mm. kids are having problems, and then that should that should retire. That should have been yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but this is like ten years after that. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> why did you why did you put it in? You can allude to it. I'll let you allude to it. Don't say it anymore. So I'm basically saying Dreamland is not allowed to be on any compilations or no, live albums. It's done forever. Yeah. Okay. 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 So this is the first one that's just produced by Meta himself, and I think I'm noticing something about his production in that the sounds are very balanced but as such i lost a lot of mazer's guitar work a lot of it it's in the background i'm not getting any of it standing out it's like it's like all the instruments and meta's voice are equally balanced boom and as such no one is getting any spotlight so it's almost like the production was like done well but lacked character they liked flair yeah well for sure right because you got to know when the lyrics have got to come down and you got to know when you're going to make some of the other musicians shine you got to balance what the song needs and this just kind of seemed flat to me the end is where we begin reminds me of some of the other contemporary rock acts at the time it sounds a lot like it could be placed on any friggin album uh, by White Flags, I got bored. Paper Moon gives us some really wretched lyrics, unfortunately. I'm so sorry, guys, but uh, honestly. Traffic jams and big TVs and hipsters trapped in their own irony. It's, it's like... <sighs> okay, okay. It was a bizarre way to close out the album. At least until like a kick-ass guitar solo at the end. So, I'm not a fan. It's okay. As I said, better than Gravity, I guess. But not by too much. A hook every now and then would have been nice. This album was actually, truthfully... Truthfully, this album was the one that took me the longest to get through. I had to pick Even it up in three uh, sessions. Three sessions to get through. It's short. It's not a long album. Uh, well, I know that's the thing too, right? Um, but mm. it's still, it's uh, it took me a while to get through that one. I feel bad, but it's the truth. April third, twenty twelve. We get mm. Curve. It's a birthday present for me. Happy birthday, Doug. Thank you. <laughs> it has a heavyweight boxer, George Tuvalo, on the cover, and he does actually some vocal work in the last track of the song. Uh, this was produced by Maida and Jason Later. Uh, Jason Later, who he's produced some stuff, but of note, he produced Men, Women, and Children's first album. And he oh, I forgot about those guys. Yeah. And I still listen to some of that. He uh, he mixed Ambulance by Mars Volta. So Jason Later was a good friend of the band's, and he came in to Maida's studio where they were recording in LA. 
and he listened to a few of the songs that they had put that they were that they had finished and he said he was saying to tomato he was saying you know you know the the music that that we all like send to each other and recommend to each other and stuff like that this doesn't sound like any of that uh why don't you guys make music that you'd want to listen to and you know made admitted that you know there's a little bit of ego bruising going on but it was just like fair point so they threw out all those songs and with Jason later as as producer or I gotta say that's, that is like kudos to them to, to have to to throw out that much work because you're just like okay I guess it's not working mm-hmm. I you know I do kind of admire that it's it's brave yeah released by Warner Music Group uh, it, it took them ages to actually record this because they started recording six months after Burn Burn so it's been a couple of years but the aim was to be more experimental a little more inspired by clumsy and spiritual machines. How do you feel about this? You know, this album has some unexpected turns in it. It plays with some cool synth stuff, which is kind of refreshing to hear at this point in time. In ways that I haven't seen since Spiritual Machines. There's just little little touches through it, uh, like an ex- extended intro on Fire in the Hen House. Uh, the Londroni synths in Rabbits. Uh, it, help, it helps this album feel distinct, um, especially compared to most of their later catalog. As Fast As You Can... I would say it's like an Our Lady Peace classic. I actually saw them live uh, right around this time. Uh, you, they play. You saw Our Lady Peace live? Curiously enough, yes. Considering again, I wasn't a huge fan. Yeah. Um, I saw them. They played at the Peony, and I, I just happened to be at the Peony that day. Oh. And I uh, and again yeah, and and then I looked at it and like, oh yeah, 2012, because that's when I was. Uh, yeah, th- that that is exactly when I went to see them because I was with Tina at the time, and she wanted to see them, and so I was like, all right, let's do it. And it was a good live show. And I distinctly remember as fast as you can. It stuck out. It re- actually really stuck out in as far in the in the set. And it even has a kind of a U two y vibe in the mm-hmm. studio version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you hear that too. Definitely. Right? Um, just the way he holds his notes. It, it is very. It has a kind of a a Bono s quality, but also still like distinctly Ray Meta. Um, and something about the oh oh sounds kind of like later U two in a good way. Like this is it's it's not. I don't. This is not a bad criticism. I I, I love you too, and 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 no matter what the haters say, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it reflects very nicely. Um, I'm I, I'm definitely a big fan of that song. It really sticks. It's just stick, it stuck in my head when I when I heard it, going through this. It was still my first time going through this album when I was doing it uh, for the for the research, and it that song really stuck out. And it's nice. It's right in the middle. It's like this nice like little centerpiece for the album too. This isn't like a classic album. It's, it's not a, like a masterpiece that's just waiting to be discovered. It is a great effort, and uh, I'd say probably the best of the bunch of their later of their later career, uh, at, at least in Spiritual Machines. No contest. Mm. Um, so I, I actually, yeah, I, I, I respect Curve. I enjoy quite a few of the songs. Uh, there's a few. There's also a few tracks that I find forgettable. I don't. There's a few of them. Where I'm like, I don't know how that goes. But <laughs> but nothing stood out as terrible. And um, and there's some really good tracks that I, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, no, the sound mixing, first off, is way better. I was on board completely by the time Window Seat came around track four. I was on board with this album. Find Our Way, also great, great song. Possibly my favorite song on the album. The second half really shines. I mean, it's it's not a long album, but it's a nice it's a nice album. It's And um, I feel like they were really kind of picking themselves up. Kind of pushing for stuff that they found challenging and interesting, and I'm really, really happy about it. And you know what kind of sucks is that 
That was the one that you saw at uh, the record store on record store day. Oh, was it? For like a couple bucks. And you're like, I don't know. Because I think... Was it it Curve? It was Curve. Oh, you've got to be joking. Of course it was. (laughs) Yeah, so... Of course it was. (laughs) (laughs) So, just... just, Because neither one of us had heard it yet. We're like... like, uh, you know, it's on Spotify. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's right. Uh, we were down, um, it was Record Store Day, and we were down in Bellingham. We were going to see Alan Parsons. If you're a part of our Facebook group and Twitter, you'll you'll see the 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 post. And uh, we stopped by Everyday Music. And, uh, oh, man, it was great deals down there. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was some albums that were, like, just a few bucks. Oh, God, yeah. I picked up uh, <clears throat> The Rapture, their first album, for 50 cents. Yeah. I mean, like... Okay. Uh, I got like uh, Tears for Fears Elemental. I actually I like that album a lot. I was I'm okay on the two singles that I have on the best of thing. I think they're they're good enough songs, but the album as a whole, Elemental is great. Well, do you want to borrow it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah uh, sorry. So yeah. Uh, so Curve. Yeah. Absolutely. It curves. Curves good. It, it really is it great. No. Does it have great moments? Yes. Uh, it's a good album. It was really nice. It was really nice to hear from them. Uh, I'm gonna give props to Jason later. Yeah, you know, honestly, like, it showed his instincts as a producer. Right? Yeah. Like, right there, going like, hey, uh, you know, we should uh, we should uh, do better. Well, that's the, <laughs> that's the role of a good producer is to challenge the band. And it's sometimes, honestly, it's great when the bands can do their own production work because they, they have full creative input and you get some really good things. But there is something to be said about having someone from the outside come and challenge them. You know, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we jumped forward, and there was um, a pledge music drive that was that was going on, and uh, Our Lady Peace kind of floated, because by this point, this is a huge gap uh, between yeah. the albums, and so they kind of floated. Oh, you know, you know, join this this pledge music thing, and and how much do you how much do you the fans want another Our Lady Peace album? Do you guys really want it? Uh, and it was a, it was a pretty successful run, and originally was released as two EPs. But then uh, two, the first EP came out in late August of 2017, and the second one came out like the week later. So I think it was August 18th and August 25th of 2017. Somethingness is the album. As a whole, came out February 23rd, 2018. Again, Jason Later as producer, released via Warner Music Group. But in that time, we have lost Jeremy Taggart. Jazz drummer, who I have great affection for, is not on this album. He was replaced by Jason Pierce. It's a lot of the original lineup gone now. Pretty much, actually. Uh, I mean, like, all, from the original lineup, it's only really made up. But, I mean... The bass player. The bass player is, who's been there since Clumsy is still kicking around. Yeah. Some of these songs are decent, but I am struggling to remember them moments after I listen to them. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, uh, this is this feels sort of along the lines of Burn Burn uh, in that direction. Better, I would say, than Burn Burn. But it is... I don't have a lot of notes because I, I don't know. It just... There wasn't... There wasn't a lot that stood out. It was it was kind of another Play It Safe album. And it, it, it's a shame because it, it, it is the same producer as Curve. But I feel like that adventurous spirit of Curve is not there. Um, it just feel It does feel kind of like... Almost... It seems like almost like there's alternating quality. Like... like there's a there's a not good album then there's a good album there's not good album there's a good album uh, and now we're back kind of in the on the not good album side of things although like honestly that even feels kind of harsh it just feels like it's just kind of consistently fine I'm gonna disagree to an extent okay head down as an opening track I think is really good 
And two other highlights are Missing Pieces and Last Train, which I think are both excellent, excellent songs. What I would say probably holds back this album is actually its runtime. It's short. Yeah. So it's 33 minutes long. It's it's not a long album. It and I feel like the construction of the album was actually meant as two EPs. I think structurally, this is an album that is actually two EPs slammed together. And I think they're two good EPs. Our Lady Peace has been strongest when they've made albums, not a collection of songs. And this teeters right between those two notions because they constructed two EPs. It doesn't feel like a completed work. It doesn't because it, it doesn't feel like a completed album. That's 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 basically it's, it feels like two thirds of an album. And if they kept them separate as two EPs, I think that you might even look upon it a little more favorably. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back, listen to a couple of songs. Missing Pieces is great. Right. Last Train. Yeah. Last Train is great. Head Down is great. There's, there's great say, songs. I do have to say that I, I did listen to the, this one the least. Well, of uh, just be, just because it's the last and we're running out of time and sure. I was trying to listen to things more than once to make sure I gave, gave everything uh, the proper. And I think I think I maybe only listened to this once or once in one and a half. We'll say. Uh, times through. So. Yeah, I, and you know it's 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 okay. I again, I don't think it's a songwriting issue as much as it is a construction issue. I mean, thirty three three minutes is short for an album. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have be if you're gonna write an album, an LP that is that short, you gotta have a lot of punchiness. If on the other hand you're doing two EPs, EPs kind of communicate something a bit differently, right? They're communicating that just like, here's a few ideas that we put out, but we didn't, we weren't sure if we had enough steam to make an album. Or conversely, this is a promise that, uh, this is a promise that an album will be coming at some point. You know, they, they do something different than an LP does. That's true. So, yeah, there's like, a, it just, it does feel different. It feels like there's a different objective. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's, let's take, for example, like, uh, if we go back to Flaming Lips and you take the Fight Test EP. And uh, maybe the uh, It Overtakes Me EP. Those are great EPs. I love those OPs, EPs. I love them. I really do. If you stuck them together and called it an album, I'd be like, this is very bizarre. You know? Mm. I'd be like, this is well, very yeah, bizarre. Yeah, I would feel that, that would be much more disjointed than well, this one. I, I, and naturally, I pulled out the easiest example <laughs> that, <laughs> that you could find. Because yeah, yeah, Flaming Lives are just bizarre stuff. That's though, exemplifies what I'm going for with in terms of EP versus LP objective. What what are they trying to do? Right. So I, I feel like, honestly, I feel like they're two solid EPs. Fair enough. So <laughs> that's the end of our EPs. But I do want to throw in a quick note. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you listen to it? The uh, the rain made uh, any of his solo stuff. No, I did take a screen cap that at some point someone hacked the Wikipedia article and uh, <laughs> what exactly did they say? Oh, something oh, about the, the, the uh, really really shitty. Oh, it's, it's uh, terrible. They just yeah. uh, that the the hunters all by is a terrible album by Rain Maida. I just want to say quickly that yeah, two thousand seven or I thought it was two thousand eight, but okay. Well, Spotify is two thousand seven, but. Um, the Hunter's Lullaby, in concept, it was, it was sort of like a kind of a hip hop ish, like spoken word poetry album by Rain Media, which on paper sounds dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually really like the album. I think it's really cool and really creative, and it is completely different than Our Lady Peace, um, and is actually worth listening to. He has another album that he released in 2013. We all get lighter. I haven't heard it yet. I meant to listen to it before the podcast, but I 
didn't. So here we are. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it goes in the same direction or something completely different. But I kind I kind of respect that the Hunter's Lullaby is so different from Our Lady Peace and kind of a, just a unique entity in and of itself. Um, so don't necessarily believe that uh, that slanderous <laughs> Wikipedia article. I think uh, it's, I think it's changed by this point. It, it's I mean honestly, it's uh, I can understand why a hardcore Our Lady Peace fan listens to this and go like, <laughs> <laughs> but if you can just take it out of that context, uh-huh. uh, it is a cool album. You know, Hunter's Lullaby is cool and all, but. You should hear Naveed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. If you're a Naveed purist, don't go, don't listen to the Hunter's Lullaby. That yeah. So that's just my little note on that. I, I should check it out. Yeah. Let's do track recommendations. All right. I will. I will take the lead since you have uh, requested that I do. There's a few. There's a few. Naveed, off of Naveed, um, because yeah. I, this is definitely to me the most outstanding track on the album. I, I just I just think it's he does some really cool things with the vocals. There's, there's something about and the guitar at the beginning I think is just so um, it's, it's infectious. It's, it's really intense. It encapsulates that raw energy that is so compelling about the album. So if you want, if, you know, if you need to be sold on the album, if you like the track, I think you'll like the album. And if not, yeah, if you and if you if you don't like the track at all, then yeah, forget about that. <laughs> this is one that's a bit of a safe. A safe one like this, but this this, this track. Let's be honest, it's pretty kick-ass. Going with on one man army. Oh, you got it. Uh, you got yeah, it. Off of happiness is not official. You can catch one of their most outstanding singles. Um, uh, it's it's a, just a great it's a, just a great track. This like the cool things he does with vocals, going up and down and up and down. <laughs> and plus, there's that guitar solo near the end, right before his like final course. It's so good. It's intense. It is really intense. Again, you know, the more I think about some of the guitar solos and stuff, the more I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right about that. Mike Turner, Mike yeah, Turner, like, what the heck? Um, so, yeah, definitely, you gotta check out One Man Army. I feel kind of bad just going for going some of the, the, some of the stuff from the earlier albums, but I do, you know, I do gotta, I only got three track recommendations here, folks, so <laughs> yeah. I gotta work with what I got. But I'm gonna go with The Wonderful Future, the final track on uh, Spiritual Machines, and may I say, if you're listening to this on Spotify... Uh, the wonderful future. If you if you uh, let it like lead into one man army, mm-hmm. it actually kind of works. It's kind of cool because that one kind of fades out. Okay. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. But yeah, wonderful future. Just as far as like the fact that they just go so experimental on it, they just try like different. It's just, it's just a really kind of like contemplative song. There's there's a weird emotionality about it. Like it's 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 it's, it's it feels kind of sad but optimistic. The incredible things Marine Mater does with his uh, vocals, just uh, he he really hits those he soars in those high notes up there. It is it is definitely one of the crowning achievements of Our Lady Peace. So check that one out for sure. And those are my tracks. Yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> From Happiness is not a fish you can catch. I will go with Annie, actually. I've always really liked Annie. I mean, it kind of opens up on a, a sound that's like an alarm clock. Um, but, yeah. Uh, true. Yeah, not just any alarm clock, but I think the alarm, no, no, never mind. I was gonna say the one that, uh, yeah, 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 the one that uh, Neo wakes up to in the Matrix when, uh, when he's late for work. Yeah, it's one, yeah, one of those old school ones. The chorus is fantastic. Uh, the bridge goes through some jarring but very lighthearted moments, and this his vocal performance is so strong. I mean, there, there's this there's this bridge in the middle that first it focuses on his his vocals. And whoa, <laughs> sort of thing going on, and then it goes 
into a pure musical bridge, which is just Mike Turner's fantastic guitar work paired against the synth that is the sort of plinky, 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 plinky. But then it all it all comes home for that uh, for the chorus at the end, and then uh, he closes out the song. Uh, everyone is dead. Everyone is dead. Everyone is dead. But I mean, in the wider context, it's not that everyone's dead. It's just that that's her perception. Yeah, and he's, I've always loved Ben. I've, I've, I've thought it was, it's a great song. From Spiritual Machines, I'll do... There's a lot to, to choose from, but I'll actually do In Repair because it's the one that really caught my attention first. And um, I think I kind of summed it up really well originally. Just like there's that background string sound that, that brings uh, a tragic dread to the song for an album that on the whole is fairly optimistic. This is one of the moments that it, in it that is uh, frightened about the future, but accepting at the same time. Like this is kind of this is kind of how things are going, but it's unsettling. It, it's, it's a great it's a great way to to have to be within that first few songs of the album. Fantastic song, and then off of uh, Healthy and Paranoid Times, Angels Losing Sleep, Angels Slash Losing Slash Sleep. It's it's the chorus that brings me back every time where he he brings back the falsetto that was missing from Gravity. It's a fairly grounded rock song of, at first, but then there's this sort of cathartic release during the chorus. And in the video, even though it's, don't get me wrong, it's a fairly boring video, but uh, <laughs> it is. In the video, though, it works because he's they're out, they're out in the wilderness and he's walking. And when he's singing the chorus, you can see it on his face. That that he's just—it's a resignation, but at the same time, there's some joy. It's really good because he's—he can be quite an expressive fellow when he lets himself be, and this is an instance where where the falsetto of his voice matches the the mood that he's conveying while singing it. You know, and I find I find it so touching, and I find it find it so gorgeous. It's—I'm actually really glad it's the first track because if it was buried in the middle of the album somewhere whatever i don't think that i would overlook it but it might take a little bit to get to it you know so those are my track recommendations yeah as you see we have a very complicated relationship with our lady people <laughs> yes uh, a lot of ups and downs uh, you know it's it's actually kind of shocking like how high the ups get and how down the downs get and uh yeah it is isn't um, it? yeah quite a dynamic discography um but definitely like gems that are worth seeking out for sure it's uh, it's sad to me that the the top two songs are those two tracks from Gravity. It, but it really kind of shows that that difference between commercial success versus critical success. Mm-hmm. Quite quite a it, and it, and every now and then you'll uh, you'll get both. Mm-hmm. I will say they did put on a pretty good live show. I was actually I actually had a good time. I, I you know despite at the time I definitely wasn't an Our Lady Peace fan. I was still like tasting the bitterness. Yeah. Of, uh, of innocent and they even played innocent and i was able to get through it so um <laughs> so yeah uh, that's a testament i think that the uh they did a pretty good job uh on stage it really sold really sold it so so i think uh next week we were ta- we were gonna scale it back down after doing actually quite a few heavy hitters yeah, uh, yeah. to uh to papadozio is that how to pronounce it I think, I think so i guess we should try to see if we can dig dig a proper pronunciation out of that but yeah we're gonna go a little indie an indie progressive rock band called papadozio if you don't know them check them out and then, get on then you can then you can listen to our then you can listen to us talk about it mm-hmm. um but you know check them out if you want to listen to music too Mm-hmm. Not just for us. Don't do it just for us. Do it for Papadozio. 
What do you think of Our Lady Peace? What do you think of New Order? What do you think of Papadozio? Well, why don't you join the conversation and let us know? There's a few ways of jumping in. The first is our website, musicatezpodcast.com. You can even check out our show notes there and our episode archive. That's all well and good. Then there's, there's our Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. You can join in the conversation and see the stuff we post, whether it's music videos or articles or topics of conversation. Feel free, jump on in. It's a great way of touching base with us. There's our Twitter account, at MusicAZPodcast, at MusicAZPodcast. It's always a good time. You can just go about some pictures. I took some pictures at Metric. I recently had a Twitter conversation with Murray Lightburn of the Deers after a set that he played. <laughs> Check out uh, Moving Underscore Pictures um, on YouTube. That's um, what my I guess my main focus right now is uh, I'm, I'm working on trying to get that up and going. It's uh, it's a slow process, but uh, I'm loving it. So check out Beast Wars Wednesday. I will review every single episode of the uh, hit TV series from the 90s, Beast Wars. If you want to go down that nice nostalgic trip, uh, as well as just other other reviews and video game stuff, movie stuff, you know. Anything else, Captain? No, no, go for it. All right. Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at nshgfilms.com, dougjcferguson.com, and stephengcferguson.ca. humans i mean there's still a lot of depth possible consider beethoven he wrote almost two centuries ago and we still find his music exhilarating yes there's a genre of music all the arts actually where we create music and art that a mosh is capable of understanding right and then you play mosh music for moshes hmm, now that's an interesting idea i suppose we could try that Although moshes are not that easy to find anymore, it's really not necessary though. We can certainly understand what a mosh is capable of understanding. The point though is to use the mosh limitations as an added constraint. Sort of like composing new music for old instruments? Yeah, new music for old minds.